This is Higher Ground from WSHU Public Radio. I'm J.D. Allen. And I'm Sabrina Garone. Our student scientists have big ideas when it comes to ways we can reduce air and water pollution in their city. They've come a long way since our first day together when they were hesitant to explore the signs of climate change in Bridgeport. What isn't in your backyard then? A tree. Um, do you wonder about why there are no trees? No. Giancarlo now has ideas for a proposal that would expand urban forestry in his neighborhood. Urban forestry? Here's a fun fact about Connecticut. Over 60% of the state is forest. That makes it among the most forested states in the country, according to the U.S. Department of Agriculture Forest Service. It's estimated the state has over 800 million trees. Bridgeport's green spaces have earned it a nickname, the Park City. Parks in each of the city's neighborhoods make up about 1,300 acres of public Public space. Offering a lot of shade on a super hot and super dry summer day, but sometimes that shade isn't available where people live. So whether it's to cool off or just enjoy nature. Our student scientists believe preserving and expanding green spaces could be part of the solution to saving coastal places beyond their city. Where millions of people call home. Hi, you've reached station manager Rima Dael. Thank you so very much for listening to this wonderful podcast. Now, you've caught me on my drive home and I'm pulling into the garage right now, but one of the things that I do since my drive home is an hour long is I listen to podcasts, podcasts like the very one you're listening to. So if you're interested to support the wonderful news and stories that you hear from WSHU, how about making a gift right now at WSHU.org? Thank you for your support and thank you for listening. We're finishing up what our potential solution to whatever climate change issue we uh, decided upon. Your solution can be simply uh, something written out. Over the last few weeks, Giancarlo explored what his neighborhood is lacking. Trees. I think it was during, I was like six, five years old. The owner had to cut it down because it was interfering with the wires and with electricity. So we cut it down, and then after that, my sister and I, we never went outside after after that because it was so hot, and we couldn't last for more than an hour. With the help of Wayne and Jerson, the boys get to brainstorming. Jerson says more trees might not keep the climate from warming, but it would certainly be easier to endure. It provides shade, even though uh, me and Giancarlo were arguing about it the other day, like how even though... Uh, their shade, it doesn't really affect the temperature. But because of the sun always glaring down on you, it provides extra heat from that. And when you're in the shade, it doesn't uh, hit you, so you feel the extra relief. When it comes to climate change, Wayne reminds us trees offer a lot more than just shade. Because it's like not only depriving animals of their habitats, it's also causing when you deforest an area, the chances for landslides and mudslides are 
are higher and when you deforest an area you're actually releasing a bit of co2 into the air even if you burn the wood that will cause a lot of co2 to get in the atmosphere and also the we're cutting down forests and that's not good for the environment like the ecosystem. Deforestation actually doesn't pose a major threat to Connecticut overall. However, the kids found a 2021 study by Clark University that shows deforestation contributes a half a million metric tons of carbon emissions in the state. Around 20% comes from foregone carbon sequestration. The process of capturing and storing carbon dioxide from the atmosphere that contributes to climate change. In a bustling city like Bridgeport, green space is also essential for shade and storm mitigation. And also just to make things prettier. You guys seem like you did a lot of research on the issue at hand for deforestation. Did you come across any solutions? John Carlo has an idea that can get residents involved. Uh, I was looking at acorns since they come from oak trees, and they have, and it's a seed of it. So that would just say, just plant an acorn into the ground, or find a seed of it, and plant one like every two to one to two years, and and grow it. That's a good idea. Uh, so, who? should give out the acorns, and then who should plant them? I feel like it's everybody just go to like find a park out there that has a that that has like many acorns on the ground that's squirrelsy just just take one just take one and go to your backyard or somewhere that someplace that's not have trees and just plant one there. More of our student scientists jump in. Is this something that could really work? Actually, uh, squirrels can literally just poop the leaves and they'll still grow into trees. I, I will say a lot of plants do propagate by animals eating them and pooping their seeds out. Well, why specifically acorns? Because it's mostly common. I, I, I haven't seen any other seeds out in the wild. So you guys are talking about like people cutting down trees basically, right? So if you were to plant an acorn, would it in like to 10 to 20 years someone will cut down that acorn tree again or would it be like a process of an acorn falling, somebody cuts down the tree, and then somebody like replanting that acorn seed. Well, I'm I'm saying that just plant the backyard. If it's gonna be in your backyard, no one's gonna cut it down, but it's on your property. While the group continues fleshing out that idea, we're taking a walk with the Nature Conservancy's Drew Goldsman through Bridgeport's Washington Park. This park has some picnic tables, a basketball court, a playground, and a splash pad for the kids. It's pretty small, nestled between some old school looking churches, ornate townhomes, and the railroad. Uh, Washington Park is kind of a classic New England square or green. Um, it really anchors kind of the southern tip of the east side neighborhood. It is, has a really solid and mature tree canopy, although um, much of it is now aging and it's deteriorating, and so there's an ongoing process of uh, kind of succession plantings. Um, and this space is covered with trees, unlike the city streets nearby. During our walk today, Connecticut is in the middle of a heat wave. So it's super hot outside. But we're walking right now under the shade of a pretty mature, we're looking at a maple here, and uh, it's really pretty dramatic, the difference of now that we're out of the shade to feel the heat. 
beating down on us. This provides an important habitat for wildlife. These kind of pockets of green space and um, pockets of mature canopy and, and, and other types of um, you know, gardens which we see over on other parts of the park are really critical stopover points for migratory birds um, and just all, all, all walks of life from flora and fauna to the human uh, communities here in the neighborhood. And there are a lot of Bridgeport residents taking advantage of the tree canopy today. Like Malcolm and his son. It's hot, man. Yes, it is. Scorching hot. Very hot. It's like 90-something degrees out. My ball. Yes. Yes, it is, 90-something degrees. Must stay cool. So how are you staying cool this summer? Uh, water park, uh, plenty of hydration, which is water. A couple of juices, you know, they, you know, I have a kid, so they like juice, but strictly water. Um, stay in the house, stay cool, AC, fan, uh, keep the lights dim, as, no, as uh, off as much as possible. Malcolm's six-year-old son is running through the park's splash pad with some friends. So how do you stay cool in a place like this? Well, I come to here, I come to the tree. But when I really, when I really want to play basketball, then I just go with the sun. But when I'm really hot, I just take a break and sit down right by the tree. It's good that they added a water park because, like, if we're playing basketball, we could just go to the water park if we get hot. So, I mean, that's really good. I mean, I'm jealous. I want to jump in. I got a little bit too much equipment on. Drew says intense heat. It's over 90 degrees today. Is a serious impact of climate change. Heat is the number one climate killer, as we've seen now across the United States and across Europe. Uh, heat, heat, heat waves are only going to get more and more extreme. And if we have neighborhoods without adequate canopy cover, they're going to become more and more um, risky for people to live in. He says urban forestry is a great way to beat the heat. We're lucky to get the benefit of, of the shade and the cooling that trees provide. You know, it's not just the shade itself. Um, it's a, a process known as evapotranspiration in which the trees are creating a cooler environment by um, kind of the processes in which they're processing water. And so um, it creates a, a cooling effect that is actually even more significant than the shade itself. According to the Nature Conservancy, Bridgeport has about 20% tree canopy cover overall, but it varies from neighborhood to neighborhood. The more suburban areas of the city have about 35 to 45% cover, and more heavily populated areas, like where we are today, range from only 7 to 12%. Drew wants to show us some efforts toward building up green spaces outside the park. Leaving the protection of the trees, we can instantly feel the difference in temperature. The few blocks we walk over, there are pretty much no trees, and we find ourselves taking breaks in every little bit of shade we can find. You know, the east side is, a, is an incredibly dense neighborhood, and you know by its very nature, that means we're going to be taking up less space overall for folks to live, work, and play, but it also means that we don't have as much room on any individual parcel to have trees and green space. And unfortunately, this is a neighborhood that has not, um, or that has seen significant decline in its tree canopy over the years. Uh, there are a lot of different reasons why that may be the case. We're at about 7% tree canopy cover over the entire east side neighborhood. Uh, Drew says because of this, the Nature Conservancy has given the east side some extra attention the last couple of years, and that doesn't just mean tree planting. It's about all the benefits green spaces bring to a neighborhood. Along the sidewalk, Drew points to a small fenced-in garden that's meant to serve a few purposes. One of the critical ways in which um, nature can 
help us to um, kind of address acute climate challenges in in cities and then the built environment is through stormwater management. With some help from the city, the Nature Conservancy has been creating green stormwater infrastructure systems throughout Bridgeport. Um, as the name implies, they're uh, part of the stormwater infrastructure system to manage rainwater as it hits the ground or a building and ends up on the road, uh, but they're green. And so the idea is to restore to some extent, and through engineering, the natural hydrologic cycle or the natural water cycle to try to prevent stormwater from just draining into the sewer. And That's a solution to a few of the climate challenges our student scientists have identified. It looks to the naked eye like kind of a little garden built hey, into the sidewalk. You have a little bit of gravel, some dirt, shrubs, and some natural grass. Yep. Uh, but what's really happening here is that it is excavated. This was excavated out about six feet down. So there's kind of a layer cake of different materials. The, the main chunk at the bottom being about three feet of uh, stone so that water can move down quickly. It's a very sandy soil on top. When it rains, so the water, uh, the water needs somewhere to go when we have all these hard surfaces. It rushes towards the sewers and it brings everything along with it by creating these um, little uh, grass and bushy pockets, it helps mitigate um, the stormwater runoff. And they help to store a lot of water and get that water to slowly infiltrate into the ground itself, um, which again helps to prevent that water from in some areas going directly to a wastewater treatment plant, which could lead to a sewer, a sewer combined sewer overflow. Also working to make improvements to the city is Groundwork Bridgeport, a nonprofit organization that converts blighted areas in the city into gardens, playgrounds, and open space. So what goes into improving mostly the physical and also the social environment in kind of cities similar and like Bridgeport that are kind of post-industrial and um, need to see kind of interventions that kind of celebrate the city while also making um, notable improvements to both kind of the physical and the social environment. Joining us on our walk is Tanner Bergdorf, who works with student volunteers for Groundwork Bridgeport. He saw his background in landscape architecture as a way to give back to his community. So say instead of building out someone's beautifully ornate, well-expensed um, personal garden, I was more interested in how public green space could be used as a means of kind of this public good that would benefit more than just an individual, but a whole neighborhood, uh, potentially even a whole city. Um, so much like uh, some of the middle school students, it kind of became a curiosity of wanting to actually make an impact at a, a larger scale. Tanner takes us over to some recent plantings in a residential neighborhood. Um, so what we are seeing, so on our right, we have kind of a classic instance of where the side of the street that we're currently walking on, where it's kind of an unobstructed walkway, no kind of intervention within um, the street. And then to the right, we're seeing areas where trees can be planted. So cuts into the, the cement, um, of the sidewalk were cut out and trees were installed. We're being welcomed by a few dogs. <laughs> These trees are called pine oaks and they're native to this area of Connecticut. Tanner says that's on purpose. It's kind of becoming the new means by which you're making tree selections based off of, and they'll grow to be large um, shade trees. So basically trees that grow to a, a decent height and are then 
ultimately casting a larger amount of shade onto the street and the road. The trees are looking a bit scrawny at the moment, but they'll provide a vast area of shade. And some much needed beautification once they grow to size. Uh, you know, these we're looking at about probably six or seven year old trees. We planted them three years ago. They're in quite good shape. Um, you know, we're probably looking at them at about 15 feet tall or so. And Drew says this is a challenge. Trees take a long time to grow. And so that means every day and every, you know, and every year of their lives to get to a mature tree, it takes stewardship and care to make sure that they can make it through to finally provide that kind of suite of benefits that we all are really kind of yearning for. We're standing under While it takes some time, Tanner says this is an investment in the community. Not just with the projects themselves, but the partnerships created between yeah, so local organizations really, yeah, and Bridgeport residents who are passionate about making so a change. For students, you know, looking to make an impact in their own hometown, on their street, it's really about connecting with those who can help further the, the overall goal, um, whether it's tree planting, whether it's picking up litter at a local park or something like that. It's all kind of building trust over time with individual members of your community. And he's got some advice for our middle schoolers. Make your voice heard. Another important thing is just to get your idea out there in Bridgeport. It's really through the neighborhood revitalization zones called NRZs. Uh, so that's a great platform where you can voice um, areas of improvement to your own neighborhood. Uh, it might look different in other towns. Um, and then also, yeah, seek out other agencies, say like Groundwork Bridgeport, um, and they have staff that could also um, bolster up your idea. So what do you do if your neighborhood is in well, need of some green space? Boat. I think cities do and are continuing to embrace the importance of trees and the, the urban forest is a critical part of the city's infrastructure. I think there is more and more so that recognition of the benefits that they provide from a cooling perspective, from an aesthetic perspective, from a, a stormwater management perspective. John Carlo has a plan to give every person in Bridgeport an acorn to plant. That's a big job, and after today, we see it's hard for groups involved in urban forestry to implement. But it's the seed of a forward-thinking idea that could grow into a real improvement for the city. Next episode, we'll look back at our journey this season and reflect on the work of our young students. Who want to make their home a better place to live in the face of climate change. Ground is reported and produced by Sabrina Garone and me, J.D. Allen, with the editing from Harriet Jones. Molly Ingram helped with the mixing. Samantha Simon, Melanie Formosa, and Megan Briggs did fact-checking and research. Music is composed by Samuel Davies and Aria Elon. Graphic art by Joshua Joseph. This podcast was made possible by the Joan Gantz Cooney Center and the Sesame Workshop. Higher Ground is a production of WSHU Public Radio. The next episode is available wherever you get your podcasts. Your head down. Keep your head up. You 